What's going on, family? It's your man, K to the second letter, one half of Southside Rabbi, here with the intro to the intro of our new series, Engaging Critical Race Theory. We have invited some scholars, some professors to the conversation to wade deeply into the waters of probably the most divisive conversation in the culture right now. So if you've been asking questions, then we got answers. If you've been looking for direction, we hope to have the coordinates to lead you to a thoughtful Christ-honoring response to all that is happening. Without further ado, here is the first of four episodes as we talk through critical race theory. Enjoy. What's going on, family? It's your man, K to the second letter. I am sitting here across from I mean the dream, the mean machine. He who cannot be deleted. You do want to tweet him, but make sure you realize you cannot beat him or deceive him. Okay. You can lead him. Yeah. As long as it's to freedom. Yeah. Some of y'all want to talk about critical race theory. Uh Uh-huh. This man gives us critical grace theory. I know you're not. Hey, oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Make some noise for my homie, I mean, one time. Wow, wow, we, wow, we, wow. we have a special, special, special episode today in partnership with our good friends at rapzilla.com. They have, by God's grace, given us one of the brightest minds of our generation. They have lent him <laughs> yes. wow. to us. They have. Uh-huh. He has but, flown here from across the nation. Yes. I think they sent the wrong person. <laughs> Wait, you in, you're in California, right? Yes, sir. So that was a five, four and a half hour flight? Red eye. Oh, man. I'm going off of 30 minutes of sleep right now. 30 Goodness minutes gracious. of sleep? <laughs> this dude. <laughs> I think. I was on the em- emergency exit, so you can't recline. Ah, so you just had to oh, suffer. Man. Oh, yeah. Bro, I oh, can't yeah. do that, bro. I can't. God bless you, man. This mm. man has sacrificed. He's went through great lengths to be here, okay? <laughs> um, but we are joined with my man, Isaiah. Um, Isaiah is a aspiring scholar. He is mm-hmm. a well-read, well-studied theologian. Ooh. My man is bright in all the right ways, not just the color of his skin. His skin ain't just bright. Hey, right, right, right. We're talking about the, we're talking about the brain. The mind we're is bright. The mind, you feel the what I'm mind saying? is bright. <laughs> but he loves the Lord. He's an ally. He has written uh, a bunch of good stuff, man. Mm. Uh, d- dealing with the intersection of Christian hip hop and justice and theology and social setting. He's our kind of guy. He's an ally and a friend. Do us a favor and make some noise for our homie. Isaiah. Wow. What an introduction. Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. Yes, sir. It's good to be here. Now, we we wanted today to enter a discussion for our tribe and then also for the Rapzilla audience um, uh, on the back of an article that that you released on a conversation that we we had. Somewhat controversial. Uh, A little bit of controversy. You know what I'm saying? Jesus wasn't afraid of a little controversy. Uh -uh. Okay. But, um. We would love for you to lead the conversation in terms of bringing us into sort of the mind and the hearts of what a lot of our followers, a lot of, you know, the, uh, where, where people are situated in the, the, the country around a myriad of issues, particularly dealing with justice, the mm. gospel, race, so on and so forth. Um, but before we get into that, we do want people to know who you are. Okay. Can you mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about some of the stuff I alluded to. 
take us a little yes. bit deeper. Yes. Uh, so, really quick here. Um, my name is Isaiah Thompson, 24 years old. Straight up. Straight up. Straight up. Uh, just finished my undergrad at Cal State Fullerton. Uh-huh. Uh, so I double majored in religious studies and history. Going back for my master's uh, there as well. Amen. Um, and over the, the past few years, I've done uh, a lot of work on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. who was a German pastor and theologian uh, under the Nazi regime. Mm. So a lot of my research doesn't necessarily look at how he resisted the Nazi state, but yeah. how he resisted Nazi supporting Christians mm. um, and how they were very much uh, committed to ideas of Arianism, um, s- superior humanity. Sure. So how is his theology uh, informing his rejection of racism? So these are kind of some of the things um, that, that I f- focused on. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, I'm a Royal Ranger commander at my church. Yeah. Also serve in the, the children's ministry there. Hey. So you got you got to talk to Shout the out to the kids. But you got to talk to the kids. Right, exactly. Out, those four-year-olds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Original sin. Here we go. Yeah, yes. right. Um, yeah, so I also love, love, love CHH. Mm. Yes. So uh, I grew up in a household. I thought Toby Mac was a rapper. Okay. I'm going to plead the fifth right now, but go ahead. All right. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> wow. One, two, three, four, fifth. So I, I was, I was, I was convinced that like this, wow, like this is what's popping. And then I went to a Christian camp when I was probably 13. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I heard "Fanatic" mm. by Lecrae. Ah, okay. And my life was changed. I love after it. that. You yeah. were like, this is, this, yeah. this is what I've been looking yeah. for. Yeah. Nice. And fell in love with CHH after that. Um, also, around that time, Rapzilla was a, a large impact on my life as well because mm-hmm. I was broke mm. and and uh, know what that's up, like up and coming wannabe artists, you know, submit their songs to Rapzilla and mm-hmm. they're like, "We'll put it in our free download section." Right. <laughs> but I would sit there and I'd put it on my little MP3 player, and I'm mm. like, "Ah, I got." Actually, Derek Minor. I was introduced to him. PSA Volume One, Two. Okay. Is oh, there, I remember is PSA. There three? I thought there was one and two. I don't, I'm I don't sure know. There's I don't a know three. if there was a three. Yeah. We want three, Derek. Come Where's on. It? Yeah. Where is it? D minor. Man, I, I forgot all about PSA. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So Rapzilla was uh, important there, um, and now I'm. I get to write for them. Nice. Uh, all my articles really deal with uh, this intersection of CHH, uh, sometimes white evangelicals, uh, and racism. And kind of how CHH is addressing some of these things. Sure. And that's in part why we are sitting here today. Yeah. Because we did an interview. Yes. KB and I. Yes. 30-minute interview yes. over Zoom. Yes. Thank you for joining. Of course. It was funny. I, I told my wife, you um, you talk like a boxer. Really? Like, I, I wasn't ready for the energy and the ah, yeah, over I talk Zoom. like I'm boxing. Nice. Th- th- this isn't even in person. sometimes like, boxers Zoom. after their career, when they start talking, we're like, man, we wish you wouldn't have been boxing, bro, because mm. the brain's been rattling around. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Anyway, like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Floyd's Floyd, 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 throwing, throwing the left hand. Yes. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. see what he did, Mike, he threw the left hand and then he threw the right hand. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Thank you, Shane Mosley. Thank you. We all saw that already. So what he's doing now is it's called a jab. But go ahead. He's, He's throwing punches. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Captain He just Obvious. moved to the left. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, go ahead. So we are here because uh, we, we did an interview, and the goal and purpose of the interview was to talk about what does reconciliation look like between uh, white and black Christians, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the white evangelical church, and uh, the, the black church. Right. Um, where's the disconnect happening? And 
for me pursuing this interview, uh, part of it was selfish reasons because uh, you're my favorite hip hop artist. Hey, I take I, it. it. It's it's. I like, take it, baby. I'm not blowing smoke. It's true. Nice. Um, who is KB? I remember when that came oh, out. Oh my goodness! Man. Take us back. Oh, take us goodness. way back. Actually, the uh, it, it it wasn't too long ago. My wife and I we were sitting down and. You know, we were we've only been married four months now. Oh, congrats! And, uh, oh, congrats. Congrats. You new to the left yeah. hand club. Yeah, left hand right. club, baby. Right. Left hand club, baby. And we were we were having one of those hard conversations that all married folk have. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Look at the cross. You think love doesn't hurt? Oh. You know that line. Head to the heavens, baby. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I was kind of uh, selfishly motivated to, to pursue the interview, but I yes. also uh, feel as though you walk a very um, interesting line between being very much well informed mm. of where white evangelicals are coming from, but then also have this strong uh, commitment to just black humanity, the black experience in America. Right. Um, and, and shedding light to that. Right. And so that's what we wanted to talk about in the interview was reconciling these things right. and how your music and this podcast serves uh, in that function. Now we did the interview, 30 yes. minutes. Yeah. Um, you talked on critical race theory. I did. You did not necessarily pick sides on critical race theory. Sure. And, um, Knowing that it was such a hot topic, I could not resist but to title the article yes. KB, Critical Race Theory, and yeah. the King from Nazareth, yes. uh, Voices from the South Side. Yes. And as soon as people saw that title, they said, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Get this critical race theory. <laughs> KB the Marxist. Yes. Oh, yeah. Coming yeah. at you from the South Side. Yeah. So the, the public responded. Mm -hmm. um, some people liked it. Yeah. A lot of people hated it. Yeah. Most people probably didn't even read it. Yes. Other than the title. Sure. <laughs> right. Yes. 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 So this is why we are here today in part yeah. is mm -hmm. to kind of clear up some of the discussion. Uh, before we go any further, I need to start off by saying I am not an expert in critical race theory. Right. Uh, I know a little bit about it. Um, I've looked into uh, some primary sources of the actual scholars mm -hmm. that, that started the movement. Yeah. Um, so I have a very... Uh, you could say surface level understanding. Um, I have a feeling that the gentleman I'm sitting here with tonight, both of you can speak a little bit more or a lot more in depth to some of these things. Um, mm. But we're not necessarily here to provide an apologetic <laughs> sure. for critical race theory. Right. Yes. Um, but it's important, I think, to talk about the church's response to yes. critical race theory yes. because there is so much fear surrounding this. Mm -hmm. So here we have this example yeah. of thought emerging that sure. isn't Christian. Sure. It's coming into the academy. Yeah. Right? It's coming maybe from a cultural interest. Right. Sure. And the first response by the church is, we need to get rid of this. This right. has got to go. Do not touch this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then we see the mind of Thomas Aquinas, who by the way, is so important yeah. even getting into Christian apologetics. Sure, mm -hmm. sure, mm -hmm. sure, sure. Right? Uh, let alone all the other things that, that he developed along with, with his thought. Yeah. And I think this serves as a good example to it talk does. about really. this uh, topic of critical race yeah. theory. Yeah, yes. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It does. No, that's that's a very, very, very good setup, bro. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a layup. I mean, it's a alley-oop for sure because we've been here before. We're going to... <clears throat> constantly find ourselves 
repeating history. Right. Because what we learn from history is that we usually don't learn from history. Right. We've been here before. We can learn from it. And I think it has instructions for where we are right now. Mm. Um, I do think that there is utility in us recognizing that there are a couple different audiences out there right now listening to this. I think that there is indeed a group of brothers and sisters who are confused, bro. Mm -hmm. They are like, mm -hmm. they're like, I'm trying. I feel like I was there. When I mm. first started hearing about critical race theory, there are individuals who I have a lot of grace, charity, love, respect for that are showing up to this conversation and then beginning to say things about so, social justice or critical race theory, which is not the same thing, mm. or, or anti-racism, or even works like Ibram Kendi's Stamp from the Beginning, mm -hmm. um, so on and so forth, or, or divided by faith. You know, th there's these... There's, th there's these... Color of Compromise. Color of Compromise <laughs> by Jamar Tisby. There are all these things being said about folks that when, when I engaged with them before I knew that y'all even cared about this stuff. Like I, I didn't know folks was... I got Ibram Kendi's book when it came out. I did, yeah. Mm. Many, and, many, and, many and, years and, ago. And when I was reading Ibram Kendi, a lot of people weren't talking about how bad he was. That's right. Stamped from the beginning is a historical work. It is he, not... He, and he's a it's historian. It's not him taking sides. It, it, it's him explaining using primary sources from all kinds of founders, right. Puritans, pastors, right, right. Uh, so on and so forth about the, the reality of whiteness and blackness. Mm. It, it, a lot of it is literally direct quotation. So it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand, but I want to. Mm. Because there's, again, there's an audience out there that is saying, I'm caught in the middle. There's people that I, I, I should be listening, I think I'm supposed to listen to, who are saying one thing. I got other people saying that it's, that, that it's not what they are saying it is. Then there's a group of individuals out there who are like, I don't care what this thing is as long as the guys that I think are the leaders of the culture war say it's bad, I'm on their side. Right. Mm. So what we saw happen this week, and I, I do want to say this. Let me just say this one, one thing about, about the article that, that you wrote, which I thought was very, very good. Thank you. Um, first of all, I, I count it joy to speak the truth as accurately as I can. That mm. I can go to sleep at night knowing that I honored God and what came out of my mouth mm. and people get angry with me because of it. Mm -hmm. It's opportunity for me to share in the legacy of the people I'm trying to be like. Because everybody that I want to be like, including at the top of that list, the Lord Jesus Christ, Message. was never able to be truthful, honest, and courageous without consequence. Right. Courage cost. Mm. In this conversation, I want to serve. I, I don't want to, I don't so much want to clear anything up as much as I want to serve those who are willing to listen, willing mm -hmm. to learn and bring clarity, mm -hmm. not for those who are trying to figure out if they like KB still. All right. That's not primarily my audience right now. My audience right now is you, dear brother, dear sister, who is either on the fence. I'm trying to figure out what should I do with what's happening in the world right now. Christianity is in the news again, okay, for 
something that doesn't really have to do much with Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm just being honest. Once again, we're headlines. We're, we're, we're taking up a mantle, taking up a war, and it's not about preserving the truth of the gospel. In fact, a lot of this conversation isn't even theological. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's completely outside the realm of, of weighing who God is. Mm-hmm. And it's completely in the realm of how we relate to one another. Mm. And unfortunately, through all our rhetoric, through rhetoric, through all our arguing, through, through all our positions, the flavor of it, as far as the world is looking, and let me be honest, let me, let me also remind us that the Bible, Jesus says in, in Matthew, to let your good works show so that men, people that don't know Jesus, would see it and then be brought close to him, glorifying our Father in heaven. Meaning that there is supposed to be a kind of reaction to the non-believing world. That they should be able to look at us and make some assumptions. Maybe they'll throw rocks at us because they hate our righteousness. Mm. Okay? But the idea is that they would realize, like they did for the first century saints, Mm -hmm. the empire would say, we hate these atheists because they deny our gods and they only worship one. Uh, uh, Justin Martyr was talking about how how, uh, they were criticized because they kept taking care of the poor. And they were criticized because they were sharing things in common. They were criticized because of their compassion and their love. They were seen as stupid. Uh, Justin Martyr said, they look at us and say, it's like they belong to another world. Mm. Like they're not down here with us Mm. trying to achieve the status of the empire. Those aren't the things being said about us. It's getting to the point. Mm. If there was a suffering group of people in our country, if you were to tell whoever they are, set race aside, just human beings who are being sort of subjugated or falling under some kind of weight of, 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 uh, of, of danger and threat and, and destitution. If you were to tell those people, hey, don't worry, the Christians are coming to help you. If they were to take their interpretation of what is seen as mainstream Christianity, I am almost convinced, bro, that they would most likely say, could you send somebody else? Mm -hmm. So as we are in the media, as we're being talked about, that the flavor in which Jesus sent us out in to speak truth in love, to to, to have compassion and hearts of sacrifice and service, the the kind of good Samaritan people, is not the narrative. That's not what we are known for. And that bothers me deeply. So my goal is in what I say and do to move us into a vision of the Christianity of Christ as opposed to the Christianity of the the land because those are two separate things. Mm -hmm. With that being said, if you're out there and you have questions, we hope that this conversation and Southside Rabbi in general, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, I'm sorry, shameless plug, please subscribe, not simply because it gives us numbers, but we really work pray and bring people in to this conversation not this conversation but all kinds of conversations for the purpose of your joy and your development in christoformity Mm -hmm. that's what we do here and we hope to be a resource so if you are looking for that kind of conviction but also cultural relevance please subscribe and join our tribe okay i guess the first thing that would be helpful for us to do is to recognize that critical race theory is the conversation right now. Like that is been seen. It's, it's seen as enemy number one of mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, it is, you know, the, the, the number one fight 
uh, for evangelicals in a lot of ways. I, I have this week seen over and over and over again uh, the fear of critical race theory being taught in schools. Um, I, I, I've heard, uh, you know, different responses to that. It has been kind of banned in several states already. I think that uh, folks have, like you said, been taught that critical race theory is this type of boogeyman. Yeah. And they don't understand, number one, that a lot of us as black Christians who are now highlighting these issues of justice um, that we feel are very important, that have always been important in society, we did not read critical race theory scholars. We were not, at, when, when Mike Brown happened and Ferguson and Trayvon happened, picking up Derek Bell, we were not reading Kimberly Crenshaw. We were not reading Matt Suda, Delegado, Stefanczyk. That's not what we were doing. And then grabbing these ideas and bringing them into evangelicalism. That's not what happened. What we did, by and large, uh, and, and, I, and I said this in, a, in another episode of the podcast, is that we thought, a lot of black Christians thought that a lot of our white Christian brothers and sisters in Christ would respond to these injustices the way that we were responding to The exact to same way. Yeah. So when Trayvon Martin happened, when Ferguson and Mike Brown happened, we were like, of course our evangelical brothers and sisters are going to be outraged as, at this as we are. Yeah. Right? Um, all of our the theologians that we looked up to, all of the leaders we looked up to, the yeah. pastors, the, the folks that are writing the commentaries that we have, the yeah. folks that, that are, we that love. Are, yeah, that we love, the folks that we've been learning theology from, church history from, we were like, of course they're going to see this as a problem. And then when we recognized that they were like, no, you got all these black folks see this as a problem is some type of liberal neo-Marxist mm, movement. Yeah. A lot of black Christians were like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And so a lot of us, I remember at the time, I can't speak for all black Christians, but I know a lot of folks that I knew, not just here in Florida. I'm talking about folks that I knew in, in all different places globally, in the nation globally yeah. were like, we, we were disillusioned. Yeah. We got to a point that we were like, hold, 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 hold on you guys believe what like you guys you got hold on you guys are saying that Trayvon Martin deserved this mm, you know mm. what I'm saying or Mike Brown deserved this and then secondly not just talking about those issues in specific but as we're talking about police brutality um 30,000 feet up in a much broader way yeah. you guys are saying that you don't believe that police brutality against black people is actually an issue that yeah. it's black people's fault that they're they're resisting arrest or they're doing something that that warrants uh the police to kill them or and then we started seeing all of all of these all of our white evangelical leaders have all of these stereotypes about black people's the injustice that black people face in society being their fault in a yeah. sense yeah yeah and then, and then also, all of the the stereotypes about black people also started getting reaffirmed. And every a lot of black Christians were like, "Hold on, yeah, what is going on here? Sure, sure, what sure. is happening?" In the beginning, we were not reading critical race theory, guys. Sure. We didn't need it. We don't need it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if you if it, a lot of our critique of what is happening in society and culture, as far as justice, comes out of the civil rights tradition. That's right. Which existed way before critical race theory did. Right, this right. is way before you you had Crenshaw and Bell and everybody re meeting in Madison, Wisconsin, sure. in 1989. Sure. Right. And then critical legal studies goes back to the 70s, but the civil rights uh, tradition and discourse starts way before that. Sure. So a lot of the stuff that we are saying is in the spirit of a Du Bois or a Frederick Douglass yes, or, yeah. or 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 um, or James Baldwin or even a Malcolm X 
yeah, or, yeah. or or Tony Morrison or I mean we can keep going you can even throw Booker T. Washington in there we are coming from the civil rights tradition MLK sure right we are coming from the and not not the sanitized MLK not that everybody likes to use I'm talking about the real MLK sure sure we are coming out of the civil rights tradition looking at how the civil rights leaders have talked about injustices that were happening and happening in this nation but also how they talked about whiteness and our relationship to black black folks relationship to the yeah. construct of whiteness within yeah. society yeah and what is happening is what I believe this happened I'm sorry I hope I'm not running with the conversation no, no, go ahead brother is I think that evangelicals kind of stepped back and said what is going on sure why are all of my black Christian friends now talking about race so much? What is happening? Yes. Mm. We don't know what's happening. <laughs> yes. I think that a lot of white pastors were saying- and They it, were it, looking for answers I feel for like that. they were saying, I feel like evangelical said there obviously has been a shift. Mm. It seems like this police brutality stuff has went mainstream in the, in the news. And then now my congregation or Christians that I know or Christians that I'm- um, that I'm loosely connected to are now talking about this race stuff all of a sudden. And I want, and first of all, the stuff that they're saying, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. They're talking about whiteness a lot, which I don't understand what that means. Yeah. Are you, are they talking about me? White people, you know, white people. So do they mean me? All of this conversation, first of all, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. And it also sounds like a bunch of liberal garbage. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Because we completely are ignorant of the ways that the Christianity that we have in the West has been conflated and connected to a uh, a political uh, a side of the political spectrum. And it's yeah. been given to us in this in, in this package, this prepackaged way. Right, right, right. right. And then once they started having some of uh, it's this one prominent person that I'm not going to name start talking about what uh, critical theory, first of all, because at the beginning of the conversation, people were not talking about critical race theory. About critical. They were talking about critical theory. Right, right, Critical right. race theory kind of is, is an offshoot of that, right? Yeah. Spin off of that, you could say. Um, and so they were talking about, okay, all of this oppressor. And because uh, I think a lot of white evangelicals are saying, man, and then black people, all, all of these black Christians are now talking about being oppressed. And there's all the, there's this this whole oppressed oppressor dichotomy. That sounds like Marxism because Marx was talking about that with the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Yeah, yeah. So so there's some Marxism there that's making us uncomfortable, uh, totally dismissing the fact that. Some of the revolu American revolutionaries use the same language and you would not call them Marxists, right? Absolutely, so yeah. Josiah Quincy, 1775, says the Britons, is the word he used, are our oppressors, yeah. dot, 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 we are slaves. Yeah, yeah. That was before. So so this is the kind of language that's being used around the American Revolution. Sure. We are slaves to the crown. Right, right, We right. are oppressed by the crown. Yeah. And what do, and we have no recourse to get ourselves up from under this oppression. So what are we going to do? We are going to rebel and yeah. we are going to start a revolution mm, right tea into so, the so we, we, we hold on to that we yeah. hold on to that as christians as western uh evangelical christians that america fought for its liberty and we and, the, and when we say america fought for liberty what we mean is that america revolted we fought a bloody revolutionary war right and we grabbed we we grabbed our liberty with blood-stained hands right yeah, yeah. but they completely punt the fact that they could they punt that when when uh uh, uh when slaves wanted to do it the yeah. same the same thing and also when Marx talked about that happening within his certain social location the right. correct context right? Right, right right then it's bad yeah um and and that's because a lot of evangelicals link it to Marx's eschatology which was uh, communism but Marx as being seen as the father of of sociology was not because of his eschatology his communism it was because his critique of the whole social order of what was happening right 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 that's right. what made him the father of sociology that's where we agree with Marx at 
a, where you can take his critical approach yeah, yeah. and apply it to certain things. But either way, That's I'm good. sorry. That's good. Yeah, yeah. A lot of evangelicals don't know nothing about critical theory, in yes. my opinion. Yes. Some of them do. They know a little bit about you know stuff that they've read about Marx, and then maybe they've read about the Frankfurt School and 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 Marcuse and Horkheimer, Horkheimer, and all of these guys, these German philosophers. So then they they may know a little bit about that. They just know that it's bad. Right. So then they start saying, oh, it's critical theory, critical theory, critical theory. Then we started being called critical theorists and saying you guys are 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 influenced by critical theory. Then uh, I would say a certain prominent leader started talking about critical race theory. Yeah. Then the conversation shifted to critical race theory. As you know, now you almost hear no evangelicals making cases about critical theory. Right, anymore. right, right, right. They're all now centered around critical race theory, right. yeah. which was an offshoot of critical theory. And next year, mark my words, it's going to move from critical race theory to critical social justice. Ooh. Yeah, because it's already moving there. Yeah, it's going to keep. So, yeah, because because what happens is every time we, we start talking about this, somebody comes in and says, hey, well, that's actually not what critical theory is. So, right. Well, no, it's not critical theory we're talking about anymore. We're talking about critical race theory. Then at some point, I'm hoping someone's going to be like, hey, that's actually not what critical race theory is is either. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the lady that y'all hate the most is, is Robin D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo with, with, with white, white fragility. She talked about because she's not a critical race theorist no. herself. She doesn't identify herself as right. such. But she says that she's introducing a new line of thought, which is critical social justice. Mm. And, and you just you'll just keep moving right. to what we can what we can have a catch-all right, for right. all the things that make us uncomfortable right, about right. race. A part of the problem too that we're seeing is is just the the very simple scapegoating, right? right. Mm-hmm. And and so for instance, um, any discussion on on critical race theory, it's well, this is Marxist, right? And uh, I hate to to burst your bubble here, but Marx Marxist uh, theory is alive and well in the academy, yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah, like, it, ever it, heard it, of sociology? So if if you think a a, a witch hunt on mm-hmm. critical race theory is going to take care of Marx, you better think again. <laughs> the other thing that I think we have to take into account is when we talk about theories. Mm-hmm. These are lenses of interpreting data, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So in in the world of academia. Uh, whenever you're conducting research, you have your method and you have your theory. Your method is the way by which you collect that primary data, and your theory is how you're analyzing it and you're interpreting it. Um, and I actually went through uh, a few different school websites uh, to to kind of give a little overview uh, on critical race theory. So mm-hmm. this is a Michigan State University quote: "Critical race theory, or CRT, is a framework developed in the 1970s by legal scholars that argues white supremacy." Ooh, controversy. Mm-hmm. Maintains power through the law and other legal systems. Framework, right? Critical mm-hmm. race, and this is uh, from Purdue University. Critical race theory, or CRT, is a theoretical and interpretive mode that examines the appearance of race mm-hmm. and racism, right? A theoretical and interpretive. UCLA, School of Public Affairs. Critical race theory was developed out of legal scholarship. It provides a critical analysis yeah. of race and racism. Yeah. Analysis, right? Uh, the Encyclopedia of African-American Culture and History. Although the movement around CRT began with law professors and students, it is interdisciplinary. It uses theories and methods of economics, history, sociology, pedagogy, literature, narrative theory, and cultural studies. Yeah. Right? And uh, also, if you have no idea what any of those disciplines are, you're probably really late to the conversation anyways. Mm -hmm. Sure. But all of this is to say that when we're talking about theories— they're lenses for how we can interpret the world. Right. And for instance, when you're in college, I mean, I, I took a, 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 it was an intro history class to um, 
actually just just studying history. Yeah. And we re- uh, read through this book called the the Houses of History. I think mm-hmm. was the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went through probably fifteen different theories that are popular for historians to use to interpret. And guess what? Sure. One of them was Marx. We mm-hmm. were reading Marxist theory, sure. and no one was like, "Oh, this is taboo. This is dangerous. This is no. We're just going to apply this to this data, right? To try to try and come up with something." Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this, I think in terms of theory and when it talks about or and in this discussion of engaging data, mm-hmm. for instance, history and American history and talking about race, we have a problem in America with letting black people lead the conversation, mm-hmm. a big mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. And we can just look at history, sure, right? Where it's like, okay, who are all the professors? White people, right? Like mm-hmm. who, who are all the people that are leading the charge on these discussions? white people historically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean pe- whenever people hear white supremacy it's like oh this is or white privilege okay look at our presidents in american history mm-hmm. right we have had one black president yeah, one and, guy in there and, and you say like oh well you know we had one we had we had a black president racism is gone we is we've had one sure sure right yeah what would the conversation look like if there were 20 black presidents sure mm-hmm. sure, sure right yeah. that were coming uh from from their social location from their perspective, from their communities and saying, these are the things we need to speak up on, yeah, right? And right. speak into, sure. you know? And so, I mean, people are freaking out about critical race theory, but there's plenty of other theories that aren't even being discussed or probably even known. Afro-pessimism, Afro-futurism. <laughs> Afro, yep. I, I, I mean, negritude. Like there are mm-hmm. so many um, disciplines or theories that are being pushed forth by the black community and white evangelicals are have, I they've just been left in the dust because they like we talked about earlier, are not accountable to the black church, Mm -hmm. are not accountable to black intellectuals, Mm -hmm. don't really care. And so you have this whole intellectual movement that's moving along. Right. Right. And it probably critical race theory isn't even possible um, without post-colonialism. Right. Right. Like post-colonial thought came, you know, in the the mid uh, 20th century, Mm -hmm. right. Which is challenging power structures. Yeah. Right. I I mean, Great Britain this like small, I don't even understand. It's like, you know, the small little island, a fourth of the globe was yes. under like these, these right. guys, right? right? Yeah. And, and just how they were controlling and guns deciding, powerful, right? Guns and, guns and germs are guns powerful. Guns and germs are very powerful. Yes. Yeah. But it, if you are new to even just the discussion of post-colonial theory, which is huge in the academy. Sure, mm-hmm, sure. Right. Then you're going to get to critical race theory and say, what is this? Sure, right? sure. What? And, and through it all, we've ignored black intellectual thought. Mm-hmm. We've ignored these theories that are so important, post-structuralism. What, like, I mean, really getting into some of these things. Post-structuralism, stuff that I think that evangelicals have no idea about, really. Sure, um, sure. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. If, if you have these other theories, mm-hmm. you, you, like you said, you don't need critical race theory. Like, we can, we can, we can go, we've got so many tools in the tool belt, yeah. sure. which is, in my, I, and I know that critical race theory... Um, I don't know who I was reading, but it th- there are kind of like a, eleven different kind mm-hmm. of components to it, mm-hmm. uh, which are even debated. Right, each of those. exactly. But the eleventh one is that you know this isn't just theory; it's also praxis. Right. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. then, is this just a lens, or is this you know? And but again, it's you don't have to necessarily accept it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, this is a tool, and we have plenty of other tools that the black community, black intellectuals have provided us, and and part of this is because historically, we have not focused on underprivileged voices. Right. Sure. And in history, this is huge. Yeah. 
right? Like, do we need another history book on Joseph Stalin? Right. I mean, like, we we know the guy. Do we right. need another one on Hitler? Right. Right. Like, I mean, we we like know the guy, but but what about the immigrant community mm-hmm. uh, during the New Deal policies? Mm-hmm. How is that affecting them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How is it affecting First Nations yeah. and Native yeah. Americans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. How is, is it? X, how is X it? Chapter seven. How yeah. how is it affecting the the black community? Right. 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 And. When we are applying some of these theories of post-structuralism, um, of post-colonialism, as historians, we're asking these kinds of questions, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. What are the voices that we are leaving out? And here's the thing: history is not about loving or hating anything; it's about truth, right? And what can we learn from that truth? Sure, right. sure, yeah, right. And so, part of the conversation needs to. We need to expand who we are engaging and interacting yeah. with, because here's the thing: I'm sitting in between two black brothers in Christ who have said, we don't need critical race theory. We don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to be, res- as the church body, we need to be responding to it differently. Yes. yes. We need to have a gospel response. And let me just say one thing to that as well. Yeah. We don't need critical race theory. Let me tell you something that we don't need even more than critical race theory. We don't need to be lying on mm-hmm. critical race theory. It, it, please talk because, about so, that. Because yeah. mm-hmm. this is where we, this is where it gets challenging. Because, brothers and sisters, I, I say this from the bottom of my heart, a lot, most of the vitriol, the hatred, the crusading against critical race, race theory is born in ignorance. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, there are, a, as I think about one brother who, wrote, who just wrote a book on it, and in his in his sort of uh, estimation of what critical race theory is, a lot of the conclusions that he drew were good. Because race isn't real, meaning that before, before the 15th century, there, there was no concept of this sort of caste black, this caste system of black, white, brown, that this was introduced to us in the interest of people trying to hold power. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay? And mainly done by law. That's right. There's a great, uh, a great um, lecture about, uh, that says that there were no white people in the colonies. Mm-hmm. There was no such thing as white people in the colonies. Yeah. That these things were introduced in interest to divide. That's and why, if, and if we can't agree with that, then we are not. We're, we're, we're being ahistorical. We are literally being ahistorical. We have to be able to agree with that. Man. So when somebody says that 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 when we begin to see each other as uh, the, through the, the the lenses of of whiteness, for example, that isn't necessarily saying white people. Right. So yes. there's a difference between whiteness and white people. Yes. Whiteness as a social construct, which was historically given to us by our founding fathers uh, brothers and sisters yeah. this is where history comes into play because though we may try to, to try try to whitewash it meaning that we are trying to change it to be something that it's not as we try to do that to history what happens is we begin to conflate actual Caucasian people and whiteness with the construct mm. of whiteness they say that those are together so right. if you start saying stuff about whiteness you're actually saying something about Caucasians mm. yeah. bi- biological right. and essential and, yeah. ontological and existence then you have, yeah. and that's not happening let me say yeah. this real quick no, that's ahead. not what's happening here at all so when we think about these things brothers when we think about these things and we start to say stuff like critical race theory is going to teach our kids that, that, that race actually that there isn't one race that, that there, there, there actually is many races. God created it that way. That's what CRT is going to teach our children. Then you have to give me grace, dear brother and sister. When I say, come here, 
Look at what critical race theorists are actually saying. They agree with you that there is only one race. Right. The human race. Right. Again, I am uh, I'm not an apologist. I'm not an apologist for critical race theory. I'm not an apologist for uh, Marxism, but I am an apologist for truth. Right. And I also am an, an apologist for the character of the Christian witness. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want us to continue. Someone's got has to break the simulation that you have a, a predominant number of, of evangelicals on Facebook last year talking about uh, COVID being caused by 5G towers. And you start telling people all these conspiracies, which, by the way, our adversaries have identified Christians as being the main target of spreading yeah. and disseminating false information. Right. This is proof that the studies have been done on this, that they target us. So we spread things that get disproven objectively months and months later. And then we want to tell people after we've been lying for three months that Jesus died for their sins. Hey, free smoke, free smoke. Hey, free smoke, free smoke. It gets more and more difficult when the culture is saying you're lying and you know you're lying. Right. Mm. We just heard a prominent pastor in California about 15 minutes ago say that critical race theory has its roots in Islam. In Islam. That that's what's behind it. <laughs> or there's another prominent Christian, um, African-American young lady, I want to be charitable and I want to be gracious towards her, who tweeted this week and got tons of retweets, tons of favorites, and, and representing Jesus, she said that CRT was actually used by Hitler, huh? that Hitler, which is anachronistic, which is insane. Crit critical race theory. The Frankfurt School was ran by Jews. German mm. ger German philosophers who were Jewish. They were Jewish, and they fled to Geneva and then fled to New York because they were trying to get yeah. away from the the political violence that was happening with Nazis. Brothers, what I again? Crazy. I'm not trying to defend critical race theory. I'm trying to defend truth. Do you want to be seen as the liars of our society? Because let me tell you something. There's enough image of God in the culture to know that there's something wrong with dishonest people. Right. Ooh. That they lose their credibility. The, the credibility. Yeah. They lose their seat at the table. Right. They start to sound more fringe and it may work in the moment. It may work in the moment, but right. it never bears fruit in the end. And here's the last thing I'm going to say. This is what we accuse them of doing. Wow. Right. We spend all our time talking about the 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 the, the, the left, for example, inside, and you know we are we would probably be considered um, you know uh, conscious conservatives in, in, in our politics or social mm -hmm. conservatives. We would probably be considered that. So you may look at how the may look how the left fights and and how they how they go into logical absurdity and and, and how they 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 they're, they're not being honest with, with with the data and truth and stuff like that. Amen. But are we now adopting some of the same practices again? I'm not trying to join the cultural war. I'm just saying are you doing the things that you're accusing them of i'm yeah. not even saying that that's exactly who they are a lot of that stuff is fringe i get that but i'm just saying are you indeed in the pursuit of getting rid of evil which i joined you in are you committing evil yourself mm. you shared a very interesting conversation that you that you discovered in dietrich bonhoeffer's uh study uh, uh in, in his what he's written about that very subject yeah so uh uh like I said earlier, I've uh, been studying Dietrich Bonhoeffer for a little while. He's definitely a thinking partner. And uh, in one of his works, which is one of my favorites, and if you want to read it, go for it. It's, a, it's probably 10, 15 pages. It's not long at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a letter that he wrote in 1943. It's called After 10 Years. And uh, he, it's after 10 years because uh, his biographer, uh, Eberhard uh, Betka, 
uh, essentially said that 1933, the year that uh, Hitler came to power, was a time in his life that was so difficult because he was not supportive of Hitler or the Nazi regime. And so friendships and uh, ties were being severed. Mm -hmm. And so he writes, he writes this letter 10 years after that and just kind of reflecting back on everything. And he has this section in there on the fool and he talks about where a leader might be in a place of power and, and the public just kind of swarms to that leader uh, unintellectually, unengaging, somehow s perceives themselves in the leader. And, and, and he even, he talks about it in such a way that, you know, when you sit down with this person that he terms the fool, that you can't even get to the actual person mm -hmm. because you're, you're caught off guard by um, catchwords, uh, phrases, mm -hmm. uh, rhetoric, Essentially, you can't even get to the person because they're just recycling the things that someone else has told them to, to think in this way or to speak in this way. And towards the end of that section, he says, you know, and, and the fool will go so far as to perpetuate evil without even realizing that's evil. And I didn't tell you this part. Mm. At the end of his letter, he asked this question, are we serviceable anymore? Mm. Mm. Are we serviceable anymore? Mm. He said, all we need is good, honest men. Wow. Right? Can we just come to the table and instead of just seeing the labels that we place on everyone, can we actually treat them as humans yeah. made in the image of God yeah. and have that radical empathy to say, what are you actually going through? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Versus just placing them in this abstract category yeah. and then condemning them without even interacting with the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and we see this happening over and over and over again where we can't even sit down to have a conversation because as soon as you say critical race theory, it's, oh, it's that Marxist evil thing. I don't even want to talk about it. Well, can you define, I don't want to try and define it. Like, no, it's just bad. We, we don't want it. And anyone who supports it, or even engages it, sure. engages with it, is obviously on the wrong side of history mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and against the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Right? Wow. And, and, and this is problematic because we need to be able to have tough conversations. Yesterday, I was kind of skimming through um, the autobiography Born to Rebel um, by Benjamin E. Mays, the, the president of Morehouse College, mm -hmm. mentor to Martin Luther King Jr., and I was skimming through it and I was struck when he said, growing up in the South as a young boy, he walked around with a perpetual fear of being lynched. Mm -hmm. It wasn't long ago, I was walking across my school campus and I thought, and, and I saw this, uh, this, it was like uh, campus police and they were driving by in their police car. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking by and I'm thinking, I am not intimidated by the person in that, in that vehicle. At all. Mm -hmm. I have never seen a police officer and thought, my life is in danger. Mm. Yet you have a story where you're sitting in your driveway and because of what's happened, uh, not over the past few years, but just historically, mm -hmm. right, in America, and you you were scared for your life. Do you, yeah. want, do you want to share about that sure, a little bit? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I can probably tell you about 50 stories. <laughs> it's so funny. Yesterday... Uh, we were driving and we, and we got to, uh, I actually got to do a concert at a black church in Chicago um, yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Um, and it actually, it's not often that I get invited to, to, to black churches to do, to do ministry. And, um, and I, 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 I cherish those times because I, it's, it's a different set of things that they're thinking about, bro. Mm -hmm. Like 
like the, what they're trying to accomplish for the people in their congregation is often completely disconnected to what's happening in the cultural war. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, 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 I was getting my driver um, was a seven, 75 year old brother and um, black black man in, in the north. And, and I started to talk to him about what's your experience been like? One of the first things out of his mouth was for y'all who think that the south is where, <laughs> where racism is. You got another thing coming. He told, he told us that you ever King... heard of Boston? He said he was there. He, basically, when King came up to speak in Chicago, said that he that the, the worst racism, racism he's ever seen. He said he was never more f- afraid from his life when he was in the North. He said that he felt less fear in Mississippi. Wow. That's, what, that's wow. what the driver told me yesterday. And, uh, and it's funny, And I, I, as I was talking, Mo, my drummer, hopped in and said, yeah, man. He said, man, I've been beat up by the police twice. I was like, why haven't we talked wow. about this? Right, why have you? Yeah, like, why? He said, yeah, I did a show with Propaganda, and I was driving uh, to the airport. I got pulled over, and he slammed me on the ground. He, put, uh, he uh, took out a baton and uh, went to hit me with it. But another police officer showed up and uh, um, stopped him. And uh, and and when the uh, and and said, "Hey, I'm sorry that this guy did this to you. He shouldn't have done that. Um, hey, you're you're free to go." The other police officer walked up to him and said, "Hey, I was just about to kill you." That's what the dude said to him before wow. before he left. That was one of two. Triple E, you know, one, yeah. one of my favorite people in the world, slammed on it at his concert. At his concert, it's at not his, funny. His, Sometimes you just gotta laugh. No, you have to laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> I'm at my concert. I'm at my wow. show. Gospel, gospel center to concert. talk about Jesus, and I'm here. We had a project called Man Up that was trying to teach people to submit to authority. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make your job easier, brother. Yeah. I actually had that conversation with a police officer one time. Wow. He spazzed on me at a air, in an airport, man. I asked a question, and he just went crazy on me. And I, at that point, it was like caution to the wind. Yeah. I said, do you know that I'm, I am out here trying to, you make my job harder. How am I to disciple young black men and women to see that there's actually a future, that, that there's actually, there's, there's a, a, a symbiotic future for us between the police officers. How, how do we even get to that? When here I am posing no threat to you, but you feel so threatened by me. And I remember when he saw my, my he said, do you have any, ta-? I had to, I'm in the airport, bro. I had a lighter with me that went through security. It was a, it was a lighter. Because I had this little contraption I was using on stage that made fire or whatever. But anyways, and he's, I, I got to identify my, my, my record and, and, and have, and, and I, if, do I have a, I, didn't have, I don't have a record, but do I have a record? Do I have any tattoos? Basically, uh, you know, if I have any gang affiliation, I'm saying, what's it? Why are you doing this to me? Mm. Why are you doing this to me, bro? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to live. I'm just trying to live, bro. Why, why, why are you doing this to me, man? And then when he saw that my tattoo was Romans 116 and he saw that I was a believer, he saw me as a Christian and his whole <laughs> Demeanor, demeanor changed towards me. Now, now he's me, human. Now, now <laughs> yeah. let me say now this. Now you're not a threat. <laughs> I have met some wonderful police officers. Tampa PD is among one of the stalwart police departments in the in the state. Just good good people. That the police chief led a lot of the protests. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in it was, was at, at many. I think he was at one of the ones. Was him he at and, one, one that we him were at? and the mayor were at protests this summer. Yeah, yeah. So there 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 is this tension between supporting police officers, seeing them as. Uh, essential to um, you know uh, the, the the sort of um, you know uh, order of the society, but then also saying that there's serious reform that needs to be made. Um, being honest about both, even being honest about the numbers. Police brutality is not simply a black problem, even though it all often expresses itself there in a majority way. There are tons of stories of individuals who are not black sharing in the problem that is modern day 
policing because there does need to be reform. There does need to be better training. There does need to be more support. We talked about how police officers are oftentimes work in a career where there's the highest suicide, highest divorce, highest drug abuse, and we're not supporting them in those things. There actually does need to be improvements for their own sanity and safety and outside of their policing the communities. All of that needs to be talked about when we engage these things, but it gets punted to the side mm. when y'all are sounding like those people that basically want to, you know, they talked about the whole frying, um, the whole pigs in the blanket thing and and defund the police and, and, and all these things that not all of us are on the same page about, but we are on the same page about this. There needs to be change. Mm -hmm. Can you join me in that alone? But anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent. But the point that I, that I wanted to make is that there is indeed these experiences that, that we have. I've had my own. I won't, I won't go into the details, but I was in my own driveway on a, in a conversation, FaceTime with Joseph Solomon and was, was, was accused of, uh, uh, suspected of committing a crime sitting in my driveway. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I'm sitting back and I'm watching you ride past all my other neighbors who look like they should be here. Mm -hmm. And that's been my experience. I find myself oftentimes, whether it's at the airport, at a hotel, at a skybox, at a, at a, at a baseball game or right. a football game, where it's like you should not be here. That there's this kind of you're out of place. And here's the thing. A lot of us feel like we're out of place. Oh, mm -hmm. man. We do talk about it. So, so what yeah, stuff that? that stuff that people don't even understand. Yes. Like you don't even understand me walking through Passion six, seven years ago, yeah. seeing another black dude, and we like, yo, yo, hey, hey. There's Represent. like a. Wait, wait, I'm, I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think some of my white brothers and sisters in Christ understand. There's literally like a secret communication, like code, like yo, we yes. in here, I see you. Mm. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because we know. Yeah. That we are minorities here. We feel it. I mean, I think about what he said about the president of the Moore House. I, it, I I do feel like by God's grace I am I am improving in this to be honest and if, I know you probably have some questions for us so you can cross those yeah, things we, up but let me just say this last thing you know I've spent years of my life bro changing the way I talk so that I could sound more adjacent mm -hmm. to whiteness I was called a coconut black on the outside white on the inside I was called an Oreo white on the inside black on the outside because mm. of the way I talked and, and because I was given to, to to academics and stuff like that these are things that are seen as white right and then we begin to hurt each other internalize that there's something better or at least threatening about the things that we give to white culture bro and I even think about how the, the way our, our, our sisters, for example, Corey Porter, who will be on our show mm -hmm. um, um, and, and be on Southside Rabbi in the future, this brilliant sister uh, who's doing all kind of advocacy work in Africa. But she told this story about when she, she realized that she could not wipe her blackness off. Mm -hmm. She asked her light skinned friend, hey, how did you get light skin? Because if I could get light skin, then I can get then mm -hmm. the, the guys will like me. Yeah. You and you say and you and think six-year-olds are reading critical race theory? Yeah, six-year-olds aren't reading. Yes, exactly. Come on. So man. what I'm saying is that we have a problem. Mm -hmm. We have a problem. Last thing I'm going to say. I, I know I keep saying that. This is the last thing I'm about <laughs> passing. A study came out last August, bro. Babies. The most neutral place you can be is babies. You can't say that they have internalized racism. You can't say that they have done something in any way to be project themselves as victims. But they did a study on the, the out, the, basically the survival rate of black and white babies. Mm. In that study, they showed that black babies are three times more likely to die in infancy 
from a lack of care from their doctors if their doctor's white. Wow. But if you take a white baby with a black doctor, they have the exact same chance of survival, which is stays flat, if they have a black do- doctor or a white doctor. Mm-hmm. And they mm. adjusted for all kind of variables. They adjusted for the variables. Because you can tell, well, what about this? What about that? They, had, they looked at all of this. Now, that does not prove uh, without a shadow of a doubt that, that, that there's nothing but racism happening there. I'm sure that they're going to do more study and find some factors. But you, you, you certainly have to say that something's going on there and it seems to be racial. Okay? Right. And listen, I know that the, 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 the thing that is lobbied, that's lodged against a lot of people that talk about these things is, that, that what you all believe is that all out, outcome, I just heard it yesterday, any kind of disparity in outcome automatically means racism. I don't know anybody that believes that. Yeah. I don't know anybody in our circle, Christian or not, anybody that is in our circle that's Christian or outside of our circle that thinks that if there's a disparity between black people and white people, it's got to be and racism. you can even find critical race theorists who have said that. that For sure. That, 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 there's, that it's not always race. There's other factors there's that There's things that are far more complicated. Yeah, okay? it's crazy. That, and it's obviously not talking about the fact that you're a, uh, that, that that you, I may be 6'2 and better at basketball than you are because I'm better at basketball. There's a disparity there. It must be right. Mm. No, this is the thing. The, most of the things that y'all think is crazy, most reasonable people think is crazy as well. But what we're talking about is that there's something that the outcomes can teach you. And no one's asking for equality of outcomes. We'll never achieve that. But we want people to have the same chances at survival. The same opportunity that the black baby and the white baby both share the exact same chances of living in this world. And if that's not there, we should at the very least say that there is a disparity that should not be there. Mm. It should not be there. It should not be that black people are three times more likely to, to die from COVID. It should not be that I can go down to Bayfront Hospital in the south side of St. Petersburg and be able to basically track the, the trajectory of that baby given their, their social uh, standings because I know what, what, kinder, what preschool they'll be in and what kindergarten they'll be in. And then, and, and then this is the outcome. That, that should not be the case. Hmm. Compassion Love says that in some way, some fashion, we want people to be eating deeply in the American dream, which mm. is giving everyone the chance to pursue life, liberty, yeah. and justice. So anyways. I've, I've got this pulled up um, from Langston Hughes. I don't know if you've read it. It's a poem he did, Let America Be America Again. And, uh, you know, the coming out of World War II, you know, that's often seen as the golden era yep. uh, in American history. Mm-hmm. And again, this, this broaches on very important historical questions who was it the golden age for? Yeah. For <laughs> who was it for? Who read, read yeah read Doctrine and Race by Mary Beth Swetnam that talks about black evangelicals between World War One and World yeah, War Two yeah. and then see how it amazing is amazing book. Who the golden years. who was benefiting? Um, and and even after that, I mean, thinking of you know Ronald McNair, I think he was, it was in 1959, and he went to his local library to pick up some books. He was nine years old. And he gets to the, the, the checkout desk and the librarian says, uh, you cannot take those books. And when he asked why, she said, because your skin is black. Mm. Right. And he, he just sat, he, he propped up, you know, on that, that counter and he waited and they called the police on him and the police came and wow. I, the officer was kind of like, we'll just give him the books. He's a nine year old that wants to read. Like, what's wrong with you, lady? Years later, they actually uh, named that library after him. Wow. Right. Powerful. Which, which is powerful. <laughs> But at the same time, we look at this moment in history and we say, isn't this the golden era? When you have a nine-year-old black boy that can't even go down to his library to check out some books. Yeah, that part. 
So this is Langston Hughes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I would encourage everyone to read the whole thing. It's not super long. Uh, it's called Let America Be America Again. In his words, let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Mm. Let it be the pioneer on the plane seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be the great, strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. It never was America to me. Oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Ooh. Equality is in the air we breathe. Mm. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Say, who are you, the mumbles in the dark? And who are you that draws your veil across the stars? I'm the poor white fooled and pushed apart. I'm the Negro bearing slavery scars. I'm the red man driven from the land. I'm the immigrant clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog of mighty crush the weak. I'm the young man full of strength and hope tangled in the ancient endless chain of profit, power, mm. gain of grab the land of grab the gold of grab the ways of satisfying need of work. The men of take the pay of owning everything for one's own greed. I am the farmer bondsman to the soil. I'm the worker sold to the machine. I'm the Negro servant to you all. I'm the people hum humble, hungry, mean hungry yet today, despite the dream beaten yet today. Oh, pioneers. I'm the man who never got ahead. The mm. poorest worker bartered through the years. Yet I'm the one who dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a surf of kings who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true, that even yet its mighty daring sing in every brick and stone, in every furrow turned that's made America the land it has become. Oh, I'm the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home, for I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lee and torn from black Africa's strand I came to build a homeland of the free, the free. Mm. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> who said the free? Not me. Surely not me. The millions on relief today, the millions shot down when we strike the millions who have nothing for our pay for all the dreams we've dreamed and all the songs we've sung and all the hopes we've held and all the flags we've hung. The millions who have nothing for our pay except the dream that's almost dead today. Oh, let America be America again. Mm. The land that never has been yet and yet must be the land where every man is free, the land that's mine, the poor man's Indians, Negroes, me. Who made America, whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hand and the foundry, whose plow in the rain must bring back our mighty dream again? Sure, call me an ugly name you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. From those who live the leeches on the people's lives, we must take back our land again, America Oh yes, I say it plain. America was um, America was never America to me, and yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangsters' death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies, we the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains, and the endless plain, all, all the stretch of these great green states, and make America again. Let me tell you something. This is not coming from a white political individual in the 1930s that uh, enjoys power, privilege, prestige in the public sight. This is from a black man who knows what it's like to be black in America. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Say oh. that. 
Yeah. Are we hearing these voices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. That's real good. I love how Langston Hughes, it really echoes the sentiment of Baldwin where it's like, we're trying to make this thing become what it was imagined to be, even beyond the intentions of those who imagined it. Right. That there is indeed a love for America. There's a love that is that that, that of, of the opportunity mm-hmm. afforded to us. There's mm-hmm. a, a love also for the progress. It's important that you hear us saying that we do not believe that that America has made zero progress on this issue. Mm. But the fact of the matter is America has not made the progress that it should make on the issue, given we have all the tools necessary to make it happen. Mm. All right? At the top of the list, I hope is a Christian witness here, that there are Christians that are allowed to preach the gospel and proclaim the ideas of this book, which demolishes the racial supremacy of anybody. Message. Right? So that's at the top of the list. You also have lots, before I even get to the black people that are talking about this, there's also a lot of white people talking about this too. And a lot of white people that were talking about this back in the day. That if we were to listen to our, for example, Quaker white brothers and sisters who said, what is going, we can't do this to the Negro. They said, no, you are free. We were wrong. We repent before slavery mm-hmm. was abolished. Yep. You had a white tradition of brothers and sisters who were literally fighting against this. And no one asked them to give their slaves reparations, but they did. Mm, yeah. They sold their things and paid the money that they stole from these people. People like Jonathan Woolman, who was a Quaker. Yes. If he walked into a house and a slave was in that mug serving dinner, he would get up and leave. He would leave. He'd be like, I'm not eating here. Charles Spurgeon is another dude. said, I won't, I won't step foot in y'all churches. Mm. They were burning his literature. I think about John Brown, who is literally mm-hmm. one of my favorite people in history. I've, I've, I've thought about getting John Brown tattooed on my leg. I, I, I'm very, very close because I want to walk like John Brown. I do. So I, 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 me and I mean, I talked about it. I, I may still get it on my leg, get his face on my leg. We got individuals that are also telling you that this is wrong, but they've been ignored. And then you have, but, but we still have access to their, to their teaching, just like we all always have. Then you have brothers like Esau McCullough and Jamar Tisby and, 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 and Thabiti Mwabwile and, and, and others who are, who are sharing with you a gospel fidelity, a orthodoxy, which is flown out of the tradition of the black evangelical who has said, we are orthodox in our theology. We think inerrancy of scripture is important. We think the gospel being central to our preaching is important. Do you know that MLK, Martin Luther King, with the papers that he the papers that he wrote in college, even though there was little to no evidence that he actually believed that stuff when he left college, <laughs> but he was a little kid writing at a liberal institution that he was at, by the way, because, because he was he refused <laughs> to going to the conservative in- institutions because they were all white and they exactly. were segregated. Yeah. Only the liberal whites would allow him to come come to their schools. But anyways, so here 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 you got MLK. If he would to were to talk about Jesus not bodily resurrecting for most black Christians, he wouldn't have been allowed to preach in their churches. Or his and yeah, his daddy's Especially church. Especially not like, Daddy King's. Yeah, Daddy <laughs> King's church have been like, no, sir, that's not in our tradition. That was a minority, but for the most part, you have all this rich Christian tradition that is with, with people who are holding these issues of justice right alongside with fidelity of scripture because they're actually not mutually exclusive. They yes. they are they are they are sync, they are literally ad-libbing one another. But you have all this. We should be in a better place, but we're not. And let me say this. 
I was reading yesterday in preparation this conversation from one of the champions of the anti-social justice movement, Larry Elder. A lot of people think that Larry Elder doesn't like black people. He's black himself, but a lot of people think that you know he doesn't like black people. And I've heard people say, man, in fact, there's a prominent Christian rapper um, who told me that part, part of my problem is that I haven't read enough Larry Elder. And I said, brother, I think Larry Elder actually has some kind of, this is just me, I can't prove it, but I think he has some kind of pain that happened to him in the black community. I know what it feels like to be a black intellectual and then being on the block and being demonized mm-hmm. and then leaving. And one, I said that in Monster, how I was like, man, when I get old enough, I'm going to come back to my neighborhood and I'm going to flex on them about how much money I made because I'm smart or I'm fighting everybody. I'm going to learn how to fight and fight everybody. That's part of why I got into boxing. Then I fell in love with another boxing. But anyways, <laughs> I understand and I feel like I see myself in where I would be where he was if it wasn't for the work of the spirit in my life. But I think he has a problem He's like, no, 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 no. He's actually trying to help the black community. And I said, well, what about his recent book called Stupid Black Men? Oh, no, you didn't. That's the title of the book. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) That's what it's called. Stupid Black Men. And in the book, he talks about this whole thing of black people living in victimization culture. And that's what I I want us to speak to a little bit right now. Because I think that's Mm -hmm. a legitimate, that's what people people bring. There are obstacles in this world that you didn't ask for. I didn't ask to be discriminated against. If you were living in 20, uh, and, but, but up to 2011 and 2012, and you went into three of the largest banks in America trying to get a loan, the Department of Justice sued all these banks in 2012, bro. 2011. Settlement came down in 2012 because they lost. Keep this in mind. These banks have the best lawyers that anyone can imagine. And they went against the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice were able to em- emphatically show that they were discriminating against black loan applicants when those black loan applicants had even better credit than white loan applicants. Nobody walked into Bank of America in 2010. All right. No black person walked into tw- the Bank of America in 2010. I don't care how hardworking they were. I don't care how many of the proverbs they read. I don't care how 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 much they loved their family. How they could have been nuclear family experts. That would not have protected you against walking into that bank and them seeing you as black and then not giving you a bank loan on that account. And the Justice Department showed that. Nobody can control what they're named. I actually controlled how what I was named because I changed my name when I was 10 years old. All right. My parents allowed me to change my name from Kelly to Kevin. But most of us, we were not conscious in the way that we can influence the, the name that we got. So if you got named Lakeisha or Tadashi, for example, or I mean, or I mean, you didn't control that. There's nothing about your hard work and your discipline that control what your name was. And there are, stu- there are a whole slew of studies that show that your name has great impact on where you'll be hired. You didn't ask for that. I can go through study after study after study of there are elements, there are, there are consequences. If you have heart, a heart condition, for example, you got, had a heart attack, they, a heart attack, excuse me. They, they did this study where they were looking into the, they were looking at bias in, in, in the medical uh, field and were showing that doctors were less likely to believe, believe black patients who were bo- about to go into cardiac arrest. So because they didn't believe that the pain was real, they didn't give them the medicine thrombolysis to actually break up the, the, the clots and allow them to live. So they were finding that black people and white people were walking into the same hospitals, but the black people were not walking out they were dying of the same 
uh, heart failure as their white counterparts. Wow. Those are things that are not controlled by hard work and discipline. There are some things that are, and we got to be honest about that. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, man, it sounds like when you guys talk about that, you guys are, like you said, you guys are making black people think about themselves as perpetual victims. You guys are, are believing in this victimhood mentality. Number one, the majority of a, of a lot of black people that you see in the mainstream, or even if you want to talk about critical race theorists in the academy that are talking about these things, are not unsuccessful black people. Yeah. <laughs> Oprah. Kimberly Crenshaw <laughs> is not a person that I would think is unsuccessful. Sure. She's a freaking academic. Yeah, yeah. Derek Bell, academic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I could keep going. It, it, not even that, but even if you want to talk about people during the civil rights movement, MLK yeah. was in a very real sense an academic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very and, successful, and successful. Very educated. Yes. So were a lot of black people during that time. Yes. Black people during the civil rights movement, though they were talking about the ways that uh, there, there were certain impediments that actually were in, in social forces that were working against them. A lot of them found success. Yes. I have never heard any, and even critical race theorists, yeah. even if you want to go to the academy, I've never heard them say that because there are these, in, these social impediments that, uh, that, that happen within these racial milieus that we have in America, that black people cannot find success. It's over I for you. I have never heard that. Yes. If I've heard it, it's been somebody that's been on the fringe. Yes, yeah. Not only that, if you want to just talk about pop culture. You want to talk about people who are doing documentaries about this stuff. People like Oprah Winfrey, who fund documentaries. She's a billionaire. Yes. People like Jay-Z, multi-millionaire. Billionaire oh, I mean, now. billionaire Come now. On. Put some respect right? on his yeah, name. Yeah, I, I will. But if you want to talk about the majority of these people that are Colin Kaepernick, everybody want to talk about, oh, he's playing a victim. He got millions of dollars. No one has said that because there is a system that we believe that is uh, infected by white supremacy that puts impediments in front of black people that they cannot ever find success. I don't, I don't, I don't see anybody teaching that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What we are teaching is like what, <laughs> and I can hear people saying right now, like you're comparing this to Jesus. No, I'm not. But Jesus <laughs> did say to his disciples, "In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble." Right? Hold on, Jesus. You're hold teaching on, us hold to on, be victims. Jesus, uh, hold on, Jesus. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world, right? Yeah. Jesus talk, and then you hear have Paul saying, everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, right? All it is, all throughout scripture, Come on, you I mean. hear Jesus telling himself, I mean, Jesus himself saying, and then the spirit saying to us through these men that you are going to be victimized yes, yes, yes. as Christians. Yes, yes. It does not mean that you will not be successful though yes. in actually accomplishing the that God has for You'll you. Be victimized. By Paul telling us, yes. by Jesus telling us, by authors of the Bible telling us that we are going to be that we are going to be victimized. It wasn't them making us victims. It was them preparing us to endure the victimhood so that we don't give up when it happens. That's what the cause is. So for. we don't give up. It's so that you do not get it's, it's me it's saying Romans 116. Hey, it's, it's me saying, hey, this obstacle course that you're here to go to, it's hard, bro. Yes. You got to jump over a wall. You got to climb through. There's going to be a it's lot. It's going to try to There's break you. There's going to be a lot of obstacles. That's why it's called the obstacle course. That is going to try to stop you from finishing. Come on, bro. So wow. before the obstacle, so before the obstacle course, let me give you a kind of pep talk, right? Let me give you a kind of pep talk 
that says, I just want you to be aware of what awaits you so that you don't give up when you hit the obstacles. So you don't give up. That is what I have heard always been preached to the black community. And for black people, I'm sorry, I'm passionate about it. For all of those black conservatives that that made a, a, a career, I'm just I'm not trying to not be gracious, but there are black conservatives that have made careers off of bashing black people. That's, That's right. what they have done. That's right. And for those folks and white folks to say that all you guys are doing is teaching black people victimhood mentality, it is extremely disrespectful. It's disrespectful. It is extremely disrespectful. Look at us. Look at us right now. You, I was gonna say we. Look at, I'm just saying, hold go on. Go ahead, By go God's go grace, look at this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not. I'm not bragging. I'm not saying that we're not the most successful podcast in the world. I mean, we're we're we're, we're trying to do what we have to do. But I would say that me and KB are relatively successful black men. Yes, we are not. Obviously, yes. Obviously, we yes. are not around here saying that you cannot. Black people can never find success. That has never been the narrative. By and large, yes. it has always it always has been. Black people have a unique set of uh, of of obstacles that they have to overcome. But what does the gospel song say? We shall overcome. Yes, that's the whole thing. Isn't that the song? Isn't that the point of the song? Yes, it's not the narrative of the people we actually listen to. And that's what I'm right, saying. You're right. taking the, the narrative, and, and I'm sorry, and I don't want to be without charity. I was going to say that you'll get the, you will hear that kind of talk from people who aren't really on the ground, bro. Right. But the folks that are on the ground, that's what I was going to say in Romans 1.16, for I am unashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation to all those who, who believe. believe. But he says that because he's identifying that you will be shamed. Right. So you will be shamed, but don't be ashamed. Right, right. So you may be victimized, but you don't have to be a victim. Yeah, you don't walk around as a victim. You are actually a conqueror, even though they're victimizing and you. And you talking about the victim, the victimization also doesn't make you a perpetual victim either. Me talking about the fact that people are persecuting me for the faith. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you got this all throughout scripture. Hey, Paul's saying, pray for us. Yes, brother. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because, dog, this is hard. Yes, yes, yes. I am in jail. Yes. I, brother, I am in jail. Pray for me. <laughs> Is Paul a victim? Is, is, is he embracing a victimhood mentality? Yes, 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 yes. Because he's highlighting the ways that he's been victimhood victimized yes, that's for the good, faith, sir. Come on, no. So, so that's what I'm saying. You don't apply these these types of thoughts anywhere else, but you only one of the main places you only apply it is to black people in regards to race. Same thing with, with I'm just being honest with black people when they're talking about the government uh, 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 doing things to actually change systems that are that 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 impede us. Yes. When black people do it, oh, black people are being uh, 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 dependent upon the government. They're just being lazy. They want the government to step in and daddy to do everything. They are depending upon the government to change things for them instead of pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. Yes. But here poor whites come and say, hey, Donald Trump is going to bring coal mining jobs back to us. Yes, 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 yes. Right? Yes. Or the oh, government oh, oh. is going to shut down critical race theory. Or the government That's is going to shut down That's also you relying on the theory. government to do something that we sudden, should be doing people, on a local these, level. These people are not victims. These people are not depending upon the government to do things for them. You have white people talking about, hey, us and us that worked in these coal mining jobs, our jobs have been gone and we have we are suffering economic crises that is systemic. And everybody comes here and talks about they're going to do something for us, but they never do. Donald Trump will and we're waiting on him to bring these coal mining jobs back and Donald Trump talked about bringing coal mining jobs back but you didn't say to those white people hey you guys are depending upon the government to do something for you do it yourself stop being do a it yourself stop playing stop playing a victim stop waiting on the government to fix economics and pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps yeah. you didn't have that kind of rhetoric for them but you have it for us why yeah, is yeah. the question yeah, yeah, yeah why is it when it comes to race that you backpedal on the things that you don't say across the board why is that the case? Yes, yes, yes. Why can you 
think that it's okay for Christians to 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 uh, to in times, even though we 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 did what we did with Aristotle, to dabble in Plato, Platonism. We we adopted some of his theory of forms, yes. talking about all of those things. All of, but that doesn't that doesn't that's not a slippery slope. All of a sudden, we're not calling Christians Neoplatonists. Yes, yes. Hold on to your butts. Everything has to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. which is really our answer to critical race theory. <laughs> right. The answer to critical race theory is: Are they saying things? Whatever they say, if it does not align, if it causes threat to the lordship of Christ, it's a problem. Right. If it does not, then it's okay. Right. But here's the thing: I have watched people take hermeneutics and completely turn the art and science of biblical interpretation as a means to leave the Spirit of God out of doing interpretation. Right. So right. that the Spirit of God is not illuminating anything. We, we don't need it. We don't need them. All we, we don't need even is the, need the art God. And science. We just yeah. need our yeah. art, our science, and our tools. Yeah. And then we come with these hard and fast or loose right. interpretations of Scripture that do not care about people on any level. Right. Because the Spirit of God is not with you in your Bible study. All you have is the tools you got from seminary. Oh. And we don't even talk about the ways that the theory of hermeneutics, which is a discipline, my guy, right. can be in a lot of ways something that defies the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Right. Everything down to breathing, my guy, anything can be used as something that detracts from the glory of God. Yeah. It's not just critical race theory. Critical race theory can absolutely be used as something absolutely. that detracts from the glory of absolutely. God. But so can eating and sleeping. Right. That's why Paul said, whatever you do, dear Christian, yes. do it to the glory of God. Whether you eat or whether, whether you, you drink, eat, whether you drink, right. whether you sleep, because you can sleep too much. Right. You can you can turn sleep into uh, idolatry. Idol, right. You can turn eating and serving your stomach into idolatry. Right. You can turn talking into idolatry there are all these things that we that are dangerous for us and if you do what we've always done historically by mapping all our problems onto a thing this is our problem and as long as we can attack this we ourselves we are then justified and okay and what we're trying to say is no 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 no. are there problems with critical race theory of course because there's problems with everything in this fallen world right Uh, of course there are problems but what do we need to do we don't need to map our righteousness and unrighteousness onto an idea that probably you don't even understand in the first place we need to map it onto the scripture right. and let the Bible lead us into these places and say, oh, I can rock with that. Oh, I can. Oh, I don't <laughs> rock with that. Christian hip hop is the manifestation of what it is that I think we should do with this conversation with CRT. Because with Christian hip hop, what do you have? A bunch of Christians invading a genre of music right. that is known for boasting. For yep. bragging. Violence. I understand it didn't start that way, yeah. but it, it definitely it has turned become, into that. It turned into that. Right. Violence, right. misogyny, yep. so on and so forth. Yep. There's also the, 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 you know, the, all the, the, the drip and the focus right. on self and, Materialism. And, and, and then slam dunking on my neighbor. Right. Right. All, it's, it's the C.S. Lewis's breakdown of pride, how the, the, the hip hopper doesn't get pleasure at being number one. He doesn't get pleasure out of having the finest girl in the world. He gets pleasure out of taking your girl. Right, right. He wants your wife. Right. He wants your side chick. Right, right. He wants what's yours because, and he doesn't just like being number one. He wants to point out the he, fact yeah. that you're number two. He wants to dominate. He, he wants to be a God. He needs to dominate. He wants That's to be right. a God. It's right. pride. It's arrogance. And what did Christians do when they invaded this? Not invaded this. We were the product of this. We believed those things. Right. We had those values many of them demonic when jesus saved us what did he do with us he didn't say yo you need to now jump into somebody else's culture that has its own problems 
What he said is, we're going to redeem you where you're at. And you can walk hand in hand with hip hop when it comes to putting lyrics on beats. When there's intersection, right. That's right. There's you can walk with hip hop in terms of speaking your heart and your mind right. and speaking up against the powers that be. You can walk with hip hop in these things. But when they start to go into sin, right. that's when we part ways. Right. I, I don't need to now need a, lead a crusade of saying that anything that has to do with hip hop right. is demonic and evil and anybody anybody that believes yeah. that, that that calls of a hip hopper is of the devil yeah. which we've already done yeah, yeah, the church I, did that exactly at one what point. happened with Craig we Lewis had to and, endure that yes we christian hip hop had to endure that very much so for a number of years that's right that's right by god's grace that's over with now right. but there was a time where the very thing that we're talking about right now we have done it before yes. but the, it's oh the, my gosh you're rapping Evil. Evil. Oh my God. Because that's associated with hip hop. Did he say Christian hip hop? Did he say that he rap? Rapping is associated with hip hop, and hip hop is evil. And that's Christian butt shaking. And that's what people do with critical race theory. Did he talk? Did he say something about whiteness? Did he say white supremacy? Did he say that blacks are da da da? Oh, that's associated with critical race theory. Critical race theory is evil. Therefore, all of this is facts. That's what people are doing with the discussion, right. and, and the, it's sloppy, lazy it, it is, thinking, it is. and it's anti-intellectual. It is, and it's and, 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 and it like you said, it it literally. This is what I think that I hear. I've, I've gotten this argument several times. Go ahead, brother. Why are you guys being apologists for critical race theory? If you guys don't need it, why are you being apologists for it? I think that you laid it out earlier, which was great. We're not being apologists for critical race theory more than we are trying to be apologists for truth. Yes. We are saying that as a Christian, it is your job in regards to us talking about our integrity. Yes, brother. Especially if you claim to be a, a Christian that loves the life of the mind. Yeah. And you put a high premium on truth. Yes. All Christians should be putting a high premium on truth. Yes. If we put a high premium on truth then it is wrong for you as a Christian to misrepresent what other people think, even if you disagree with them. Facts. It doesn't matter. Even if you did, I don't care if the person was a Satanist. You cannot misrepresent Satanism and then attack it. And then you, and then spread that to Christians and say, we have to attack this and this. It's wrong. Yes. Right. We are wanting, we are pushing people to be accurate and we are pushing people to be precise. We don't want people to misrepresent what is happening. Right. Yes. That's not an apologist for critical race theory. It's an apology. It's us being apologists yes, for truth. Yes. And what I'm saying is that what has been happening to us is that we have, we have been constantly, constantly, constantly uh, swept under the rug because what they what what folks are doing what anti CRT and anti woke Christian folks are doing is that they are mapping any conversation and mentioning of whiteness, racism, systemic and institutional racism, or any mention of even our own blackness as it relates to the construct of whiteness as critical race theory. Yes. Brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. those conversations existed before critical race theory did. Yes. They did. Yes. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those conversations existed before Karl Marx was born in 1818. Yes. Brother, I'm just being, you can literally historically, you can do your own research. So for you to then reduce all of our conversations about this to critical race theory is intellectually lazy. It's sloppy. Slanderous. It's slanderous. Yeah. A lot of times it's being done to slander. Yeah. And also when you misrepresent what critical race theorists are saying, like critical race theory is teaching that all white people are inherently biologically racist. Critical race theory are teach is teaching black people to hate white people. Yeah. That's not what they teach. Yeah. Critical race theory is essentialist in regards to race essentialist. Critical when you're doing that, you are misrepresenting what they are saying, which means that you are, guess what you are doing? Bearing false witness about somebody. That's right, yeah. that's right. And just because you may look at them as an enemy, it does not justify you before God to bear false witness, to slander. Yeah. 
or to reduce what we are saying down to a some type of ideology that you want to create and believe as a boogeyman that you don't agree with. Yes. That is not right. Mm. Brother, and I want to say this too real quick, Meansy. Go ahead. I think a lot of times that we also forget that most of the guy most of the guys and gals who started critical race theory are still relatively young and alive right they now. They are. They, I mean, the, 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 it one. was formalized in '89. I was born in '89. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's so right. So I'm, I'm. I mean, Kimberly Crenshaw is still here. She's bro. alive. And if you go Google a picture of her right now, she looks she is, very she young. She is not an old and, woman. And, and let me say this: a friend of mine actually talked to her. He was trying to. He's a mm-hmm. believer. Yep. He was trying to get an understanding. What is it that y'all actually believe? I want to represent these things well. And it broke my heart when he shared with me that she is an utter confusion about why she is being hated and attacked like she is by Christians. She said, my only goal was to bring reconciliation, to sort of bring empowerment to the forgotten, to the, to the least of these. I thought that that was core to Christian doctrine. I don't understand what, what the, what what the beef is. is. She literally mm, yep. is confused. She's reading our takes and our and our woke conferences and 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 and, and I'm not sure if she's reading the tweets. She's an academic. I don't know right. what I don't know exactly what she's seeing, but I know she's hearing about these things and seeing the blatant misrepresentations. And if she does not know Jesus, what is your witness to her? I think the other thing that we we lose out on, do you want critical race theorists who do not know Jesus to come to do Christ? Do you want them to come to the do you want them to come to the Lord? Do you Jesus? want them to come to the Lord? Because I'm thinking about Alex Hitchens. The, the atheist mm-hmm. who went to bat on a large stage he's an atheist right. went to bat for Christianity when he was talking to another atheist who was misrepresenting us yeah this atheist was saying like man wow. these Christians over here believing in, in spaghetti monsters and blah 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 and and and, and and that the resurrection is actually not core to what they believe and he said no 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 that's not what they believe they believe that Christ bodily resurrected and that is core to their faith they don't have faith without the resurrection of right, Christ right. Christ is central to blah 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 he gave a gospel presentation to that, another atheist to another atheist and wow. he's an atheist right does he have more moral character than us Right. Mm. And I think that gets down to what we're saying. You can lose sight. We can lose sight that these are real people we're talking about, bro. Right. That this is this is a real a, a real battle for souls, man. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to kind of jump in here. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and the other thing, too, you know, when discussing, do we represent these things? Well, do we understand these uh, the, these frames of, of knowledge mm-hmm. properly? We we create a big mess if we situate these dichotomies that either you are going to be a Christian or you are going to be a critical race theorist because what happens when you conflate critical race theory so much so that's anti-Christian so then all of a sudden you have someone who's learning about this who has grown up in the faith and then all of a sudden says I think critical race theory makes sense but apparently it's it contradictory with uh with Christianity so now I have to drop my religion to carry this thing because wow. no one bridged the gap and we see this happen in North America all the time say that with the discussion of evolution say that wow. you think Christians in Europe had this uh, uh, Christians in Europe were saying okay you know how can we understand evolution should we be scared of it what how should we engage it right and then here in America it was keep it out of the schools mm. we don't want to engage it at all and then guess what you guess science what in general then yeah. all of a sudden you have these these Christians who were maybe homeschooled were sheltered from like evolution you, you were homeschooled right I was homeschooled yeah. and then all of a sudden you go to college not a Christian college you go to a state school mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have a professor who's a PhD more brilliant than your parents and they just 
describe what evolution is and it makes sense to you, but all of a sudden you think in your mind, evolution and Christianity cannot fit together. They're inconsistent. So now I need to drop my faith. We, get, we gave them no tools. Wow. No tools at all. That's so good. And so when we take critical race theory and we conflate it to this dichotomy, rather than seeing it as something that is so complex, diverse, that is changing, it's changing because humans are interacting with it. Anytime a human takes a theory and does something with it, it is altered because it's being applied to that human being's perspective. Right. right? And so you're going to create a problem where there will be Christians... And, it, and if critical race theory is something that's being taught in, in schools, which, which, by the way, if, if we are scared to teach lenses of interpretation... What are we doing? What, like, like if, we're in trouble. Like, we're, teach, we're putting Christians in a bubble again. That's exactly what we want to do. Like, if we are not instructing our children how to apply different lenses to different things and interpret it for their sake, maintaining their autonomy. Lenses do not steal your autonomy. Right, 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 right. Mm. right? You use them. By way of your autonomy. You say, I want to understand this through this framework. Right. And so me, I myself am applying this because I see how this fits together. This is my stake in the argument, my stake in the game, right? If we're scared of a theory, I think we have bigger problems. True. But again, if we are just taking this Mm. and saying you can either be a Christian or you can be a critical race theorist and there's no bridging conversation whatsoever we're going to have big problems. Brother, you hit that mug out the park. That thing is across the street, rolling down a hill. Because what we're talking about is also a battle for the soul of our children, man. Because that's, that's the thing I think about with three kids myself. I am thinking about how do I want them to be equipped mm. as they go into the world? I want them to have a faith that is robust. Right. I want them to have a faith that can hear things that contradict it things that say that it's wrong, or I want them to have a faith that isn't so hostile to something that may be a gateway. That's what we hear all the time. This, this may lead to something else. It's a slippery slope. This, 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 this may, if, if, if we start entertaining these things, perhaps by, by, before you know it, little Johnny is going to be an all-out occultist. And when you do that, when you, when you don't l- let the Spirit of God loose, when you don't say, hey, we're going to, establish you deep in have deep roots in, in Christianity so that when you cut you bleed this if that's not happening but what you have is basically an atrophy of the soul where you've done nothing but allow these people to never ever exercise in the obstacle courses of life right and all they have done is spent their time living in this bubble yeah. it will be burst yes mm-hmm. it's going that's the that's the thing it i feel like we don't understand burst. man and and, and and here's the thing that's going to hit you because i don't believe in evolution i have i have good brothers and i i don't believe in in in, in, macro, in, in macro, macro evolution, evolution. i know what but, you're saying but i have i have brothers and sisters who i love dearly who are spirit filled who do believe the way that God brought the world into existence was through evolution. Yeah. Well, not, not in Big Bang, he created everything and yeah. then allowed things. I have yeah. you know, good godly people that believe that, even though I don't agree with them. But here's the thing, that has extended into science in general. There are certain things that are not hostile to the Bible. Mm. Dinosaurs are not hostile to the geology. Right. Ge- science in general. It's not hostile yeah. to the gospel, but we have made it hostile for so long so our kids grow up hearing us talk about all these things in flat unsophisticated and untrue ways then they get into college and they hear things that are benign 
They, they, they've been told to, to, to be running from all, from, from science, and we can even go to culture references yeah. to be running from Pokemon. And or, that, yeah. Or yeah. So they can Harry say, Potter. Now it's sociology. Now so, it's sociology. But here's what happens. You begin to, to sort of run away and try it out, and you see that there's nothing wrong with this stuff, and then you start asking your question, well, if they were lying to me about this, well, what else were they lying to me about? Mm, right. Were they also lying to me about Jesus? Wow. Because that is what I have been finding, found. I understand some of my brothers and sisters in the evangelical movement are, are, are saying that they have people in their church that are becoming anti-racist or, or becoming, I, I don't know, uh, critical race theorists. I, 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 I don't know. I've never met these people before, but they say that they exist. I'm not going to try to argue with you and your experience, but let me tell you what my experience is. I have watched brother after brother, sister after sister punt the faith because they have learned that what it means to be a Christian in America is to deny the existence of the existential threat of racism and their experience. Right. Wow. I've yep. watched it over and over again. Do you realize that there is a mass exodus now? There's a mass exodus of black Christians again. First of all, there never was an integration. We never got integrated. Right, never, right. But we were starting to take take strides towards the integration. Exactly. We saw it in our church. There were there was a Memphis Fellowship in 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 um in in, in Memphis, Tennessee. There were all these pockets of, of a kind of we're coming together in the banner of Christ. And then we started realizing that we don't all believe the same things again, which is okay. Right. It's okay. We don't all believe the same things about yep. things that are not essential to our faith. But here's the thing. They started to have overlap with essential things because you would say stuff like if you believe that, that somehow black people have a disadvantage in this country, you are a Marxist, you are a critical race theorist, right. and you are a, and a, now you're a, making a liberal, it essential. Now you've made it essential. Right. When you have done that, there's a that people are leaving again. We're becoming more divided. But, uh, the Pew Research has shown that that on this issue, we are more divided than we've ever been. Americans in general. Americans in general, and it's and it's and that same thing is in the church, man. Right, right. And what I'm saying <laughs> is, we are setting up the context for apostasy, trying to protect people from apostasy, mm. right? Because we're not willing to be honest, and we're also Fear is the, opposite, is the opposite of faith. That's why I love when people start saying stuff like, uh, 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 I love people say we need to operate in faith and not fear. Fear is not, the opposite of fear is not, is, is not, not being afraid. Right, of course. The opposite of fear is trusting God. And let mm. me say this, because what fear does is it looks at what's happening around them and says, this is what, this is all there is. And yep. I have to manipulate and control what is going to be my outcome. I do not trust God to have it, to mm. have me. And what does the Bible say? In the Old Testament, there is not a command given to man more than fear not. Right. Over and over again, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't. What should we do instead, God? Trust me. Mm. And if we do not give our children a kind of faith that can be tested and survive, that we don't give them the kind of faith that's robust enough that it has thought through and interacted in these spaces and still maintains its integrity and its uh, its quality. If we haven't given them that, how do we expect them expect them to survive the onslaught? And what do we do when they recognize our true intellectual hypocrisy in the ways that we have not prepared them? Because they, they will. They will. Because they will. And they are. Yeah. And the younger generation is. Yes. We're, we're placing them in an intellectual non-contact sport, bro. Yes. That's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, 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 and yeah. once they go out there and feel that contact, they don't know what the... 
Facts. They don't know what to do with themselves. I don't have any. I don't have the tools to deal with this. You right. hit me with a right hook. I don't have the tools to slip and defend myself. I don't know what to do. Right. And right. I, so I lose. Guess what happens? I get knocked out and I lose. Facts, bro. Mm. If you've ever been in a situation where a fight breaks out and it starts to turn to like a somebody's getting jumped, mm. typically what happens is, so you and I are walking, right? And uh, all of a sudden, somebody nowhere comes and punches you in the face. My immediate reaction is, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop this, this dude that's trying to, to hurt, hurt my friend. So let's say I go to stop this guy, and then another dude jumps in and punches you on the other side. So now, you and I are getting jumped. Typically what happens in that situation, at first, you may, you, you go one or two directions. It may be, I'm just gonna try to protect my, my I'm gonna try to help my friend get out of here. Right. Or, probably what happened with me, is I would start trying to fight people off immediately. Mm. But every time I've seen this happen, I've seen this happen a lot, the guy has this burst of adrenaline where he starts boom, boom, knocking, he hits two, one dude, yep. he catches him with a one-two, then he moves to the next dude, and all of a sudden, four or five more dudes come in. Oh, it's over. And he starts getting hit in the back of his head and getting punched from places yeah. that he can't, can't even There's imagine. no way you can defend it. If he no. could just pause and be like, who just hit me? It's like Chris Tucker. <laughs> Which one of y'all kicked me? That is what it has felt like in some ways, bro, mm. in this conversation mm. about race in relationship to being inside why, uh, uh, the, the, the evangelical movement. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. Wow. Say that. It started, man, where there was, uh, there's a movement in Southside St. Petersburg that me and I mean have both tried to engage that was trying to say that Christianity is the white man's religion and all white people are the devil. Hold up. And I found myself, I mean has found himself fighting against that. Mm. Fighting against white hatred, bro. Yeah, literally. Fighting against Christianity being something that exclusively belongs to white people, but something that has at room for the table for everyone. I've told stories of sitting in, I, when, I was, when my grandmother was alive, I would take her to her appointments at Moffitt Cancer Center. And I one time was sitting with this 75-year-old white lady who was there for treatment. And she, she and I'm, I'm an 18-year-old dude, Southside St. Petersburg. She's some you know, middle American, older white lady. And we just talked about Jesus and how good he was and hugged at the end. It was brilliant and rich. I tell those stories mm. to these brothers and sisters who were calling me brainwashed and calling me the product of white supremacy and defending my white brothers and sisters to them. Wow. And while that was happening, I started feeling punches on the back of my head, bro. <laughs> I felt like I was getting hit. And I turned around, and you know who was hitting me? The, the very people person I was defending. You're defending. <laughs> I said, bro, I'm on your side. I believe all the stuff you believe. I'm just also saying that there's a problem in our community, bro. And what we tried to do, what we've been trying to do, and I praise God for allies like you and like Matt Amen. Chandler Amen. and Russell Moore and other individuals who are not arguing with us, but they are partnering with us. They're not shooting at us. They are also shooting with us against sin because that's what we're trying to identify. Mm, right. White people aren't the problem. Right. If you want to use your, it's not a skin problem, but a sin problem. If you want to use that rightly, then you got to realize that some people make skin sin. <laughs> That's, fast. That's what's happening. And, and we want to see those systems and those sins come crashing down right. and that's what it felt like mm. bro it felt like people that i thought i there's one brother that i have on my mind who's one of the dearest dearest disciples in my life bro i mean this guy 
He, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He poured mm-hmm. into us. Yeah. We, he taught us evangelism. Uh-huh. And he, to this day, refuses to even sit down and talk to me about this stuff. Yep. He's so offended. Yep. I know what you're talking about. He, he won't talk he to me about even, it either. He won't yeah. even talk to me about it. And I'm like, brother, I love you. I, I love you. And, and, and do you want to know the context of me saying that Jesus isn't white? It's not the slam dunk on you, mm. even though Jesus isn't white. Man. But I wasn't even thinking about you. I was thinking about these brothers and these brothers in Southside St. Petersburg That's trying who, to are, teach. who are yes. running into Islam. They're running into uh, the black Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites because they believe that we perpetuate a white Jesus. I'm trying to win them. This wasn't even about you. Right, right. You've made it about you. Right. And now you're hitting me in the back of the head when I was literally down here fighting for us. Wow. And that's what Christian hip, that's what happened to Christian hip hop. Somebody told me, I won't say the names, I don't know if they want me to say this publicly. <coughs> there was a, a, a large Christian publication that was, that was basically a place where folks came to learn about Christian, Christians and hip hop and all kind of other stuff. The brother told me this week, he said the moment they started talking about racism, they lost half of their following. 50% gone wow yep wow and i and i tell you what what can't we lose if we are gaining christ in the process Mm. amen those that went out and turned on us who spend their time trying to frustrate our efforts to spend their time lumping us in with marxists and critical fringe critical race theorists and lump us in with 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 any kind of expression that y'all have deemed as the worst things about this world. They lump us all in and they turn on us and try to get other people to do it the same. Those people that did that will have to stand before Jesus one day. And if our tree gets shaken and the needles begin to fall, well, it makes for a stronger, more vibrant expression of growth and 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 strength because if we get pruned and we lose money, you know what I'm saying? I've lost tens of thousands of dollars, bro. Tens of thousands of dollars for stuff that, or for, for, for places that I refuse to go. I refuse to go because of, of, of stances I've taken. And I've obviously had people that have, that have come at me, but I understand that there's cost to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is what we get to, again, get in our Christianity bag and say, at what point, where we expected not to lose anything. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to run around on some kind of PR campaign because you think I'm a critical race theorist. Okay. Fine. Fine. Yeah. God knows who I am. My yep. family knows who I am. My community knows who I, get, I am. I want other people to know. But if they don't, I can live without it, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Straight up. And I just want to encourage my brothers and sisters out there listening to this that are catching heat. Mm-hmm. People are, again, writing you off frustrating you. I have so many friends that have lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Lecrae's already told his story. Mm-hmm. Know that we have lost nothing that we won't be rewarded for because we're gaining Christ. Do everything in love, charity, and mercy. Do not, as Carlos from um, Happy Giver says, don't let your frustration with Christians ruin your awe of Christ. Maintain Christ is your highest good, his glory as your highest aim, and your conformity into his image, your highest achievement. And let them throw the rocks because each bruise will do nothing but add a jewel to your crown. Do not be afraid. Do not fear men in their comments. 
Don't fear the YouTube threats. Wear them like a crown on your head. Please threaten me. I will wear your remarks. I will, I will flaunt them. I will add it as thread to my garments because those are the things that gives me what I really want, which is the opportunity to make much of Jesus and to love those who have become my enemies. Wow. This is Christianity. Are y'all with me? Amen. Amen. This has Amen been Southside Rabbi. We love y'all. Shout out to Rapzilla. Also, shout out to CSB, one of our proud sponsors, even though we got a new King James version right here. But Ooh. I got a CSB <laughs> We keep it on deck. I got a fresh they CSB. didn't tell me. Yes. They didn't tell <laughs> me. Yes, indeed. We love y'all. Peace. Peace.